black, 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 black on black, black, yeah, hey, okay, black, 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 black on black, black, my thoughts so black, black, black on black, my skin is so black, I'm rocking that black on black, is black, rims on this black wheels in this black wheel with this black bitch, so black on black on black on black on black, 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 black on black, man, let me lick off some shots for the fact of it being Black History Month. On second thought, licking off shots, celebrating Black History Month is probably counterproductive. So, let me take that back. But anyways, welcome to the Speak My Peace podcast. Welcome to episode 23. As always, I am your host, Greg Lacey. So, I, now we got all that stuff out of the way. I don't know what I just said. I just had a brain cluster. Um... Now we go all that stuff out of the way. Man, that's just how I feel when Black History Month come around. Not to be fake and not to be phony, but literally I look forward to this month every year. It's because of the greatness of the month. I know a lot of people want to fake complain and say, oh, no, they give us a month and they get a year. I don't care. Like I celebrate my blackness all year round, but I celebrate it especially in, fe- in February. Not only because it's Black History Month, we get to celebrate a lot of black excellence. Um, from civil rights activists, athletes, artists, um, you name it, man. And then on top of all that, it's my birthday month. So it's like, I can't be, it's nothing for me to be mad at when it comes to the month of February. And the fact that my birthday happened to fall in the month of Black Heresy Month is, is a double, it's double for me. So I never shy away from celebrating Black History Month. Um, so yeah, man, happy, we don't really normally wish happy Black History Month upon people, but happy Black History Month to all my listeners. Um, be great this month, man. Just that's a, really all my my advice is just be great this month. Um, do your history, you know. If you don't know too much, if you don't have too much knowledge, or if you want to find out something new, this is the month to do it. Do it all year round, but you can really do it this month. Uh, find out some great stuff. I'm pretty sure there's some great stuff going on around your city within your community. Um, yeah, man. And while we're on the subject of Black History Month. Well, before I do that, I want to shout out all my listeners. Shout out to everybody that's tuning in every week. I appreciate you guys. Um, whether you're listening your first time or you've listened every episode or you're catching up on episodes, uh, I appreciate you tuning in. I couldn't do this without you guys. You guys are my motivation. Um, every time I see you know people actually tuned in, that motivates me to keep going. So thank you guys for tuning in, uh, first and foremost. But now let's get into, you know, on the subject of it being Black History Month, because I would be remiss if I didn't mention this because I have been paying attention to something for a couple years now but I really made a note of myself to pay attention to it this year so I would have something to speak about in regards to it rather than you know I let it slide the past couple years but uh, to jump straight into the episode man one thing I have noticed is that when Martin Luther King Jr. Day comes around everyone is so pro-black and it's not I'm not I know you guys who listen to this podcast every day you know you hear me talking about people who are not black and how they feel towards us. We're going to get into that later in this episode. But for right now, I'm literally speaking to my people. Um, we're so pro-black when Martin Luther King Jr. Day comes around. You know, people post the pictures of Martin Luther King Jr. on his... Uh, normally, they post quotes that go along with it. And the vibe that goes along with Martin Luther King Jr. Day... And I hate to use that word vibe, but I... Well, I guess the, the real word to use in this instance would be energy. The energy I see a lot going into Martin Luther King Jr. Day 
and how people choose to acknowledge that day and acknowledge him is a lot of black people who try to be pro-black and I'm not going to everybody but just the people that I notice and I'm not going to nobody specifically but I notice it I'm on social media I'm active on social media so I notice you know how people act people post you know the pictures the quotes of Martin Luther King Jr. and they say you know they tried to stop progress and you know but your legacy lives on and thank you for all you did and then literally Jackie Robinson's birthday comes around the week after that nobody says anything like, okay, maybe you don't like baseball. Maybe you don't care about Jackie Robinson. I'll let that slide. The week after Jackie Robinson's birthday, which is two days ago, uh, Rosa Parks' birthday comes around. Still, everybody on social media is silent. So I'm sitting there thinking, and I think about this every year. It's like, why do you guys go so far out of your way to, you know, be pro-black for this one day? And your whole energy on Martin Luther King Jr. Day is that, you know, they tried to take away one of our leaders. Um, he was doing so... And, and my whole let me get I guess let me rewind into what gets me into this thinking so if you know me personally if you follow this podcast you know how I feel towards Michael Max. Michael Max, as far as people I put him on high on the pedestal because that's just someone who I've never met but someone who I look up to so I, 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 I follow a lot of like what Michael Max did and you know what he was trying to get done just because of that's how much that's how much respect I have for him. That's how much admiration I have for him. And a lot of that causes a resentment to like people that toward that people that love Martin Luther King. And I'm not saying that I have any problems with Martin Luther King or you know have any resentment towards him because I don't have an admiration for him as well. But when it just comes to certain black leaders, you know Michael Max is high on the plateau for me, and everyone else is below. And that's not to say that anyone was insignificant or anything like that, but that's just how I feel. People gravitate towards certain people for a reason, and I gravitated towards Michael Max at an early age. And as an adult, I still, you know, have that same admiration for him. But this is how I got to, you know, me watching people how they act in Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Because obviously, we know in America that they try not to acknowledge Michael Max because he wasn't as nonviolent as peaceful as Martin Luther King was. Malcolm X was more, if you put a hand on me, I'm going to put a hand on you. Everyone was created equal, so you're you're not better than me, so I don't know who you are to think that you could talk down to me. That's not the basis of what Malcolm X was, but that's just kind of the attitude to where, why people try not to celebrate Malcolm X. Especially America. America tries to erase you know, Malcolm X away as all they want. But they say, you know, we're not going to celebrate Malcolm X, but we can celebrate Martin Luther King, someone who was more more who was just as vocal as Michael Max, but was more peaceful and it's probably the the prominent leader during that civil rights time um so you know they give us they give us Martin Luther King Jr. Day because like we're not gonna give you both of them or we're not gonna give you everybody not to say that those are the only two people that were you know fighting a good fight but those are two of the most prominent people and as far as like who people know when you when you're speaking of like black activists are you speaking about black power if you're talking in the 60s those are like Two of the main people you're going to turn to. So, I say all that to say that because of that, you know, we get Martin Luther King. And me, personally, as a fan of Michael Max, I always try to think, like, you know, why aren't they celebrating Michael Max and they celebrate Martin Luther King? So, they forced that upon us. And then, in turn, we as black people, we allow that to be a force upon us. And then, I don't know, I don't know how to explain it because I don't have the type of thinking, but... For some reason, people like to uh, 
I don't know if it's a sept or it feel like you know the white. I, it's acceptance. I can't sugarcoat it. It's it's really acceptance. It's the white people forced Martin Luther King upon us because it was peaceful, and that's what we're gonna run with because that's what they give us, and that's not what celebrating black heroes, black legends, black civil rights activists. That's not what celebrating people was about. It's about you know celebrating who you know the wide population. Um, I said wide population. Um, celebrating who they want us to celebrate. We got to celebrate who we want to celebrate because everyone was equally important in the fight. Yes, Martin Luther King may have been at the helm of a lot of it, but everyone was equally important. So I just I get into my thinking of like what make people think that that's okay, especially like black people. You know, on Martin Luther King Jr. Day, whatever day that uh, whatever day that day decides to fall on, everybody's so pro black. Posting all the MLK quotes, posting MLK pictures, and all that. But then Black History Month roll around two weeks after that, and everybody is silent. I, I never understood the thinking. I, I can never understand the thinking because that's not the type of person I am. But I have noticed that that's what people do. And it, it's very weird, but it's just like I was just speaking about me busting the gunshot, licking off the gunshots, being counterproductive. Just literally the same thing. This, this is counterproductive as well because you're acknowledging one person but then you're silent for the rest of the year just like Martin Luther King was just as important as everybody else what makes you think that you know I just want to post Martin Luther King because you know this is the day they give us and this is the this is the only person that 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 they celebrate so we're going to celebrate because they allow us to but then Black History Month roll around or Jackie Robinson birthday rolls around a week after and Rosa Parks uh, birthday rolls around two weeks after everybody's silent it's literally like i can't sugarcoat this as well it's just your chumps because you're allowing them to dictate who you celebrate you're allowing them to dictate who is important as far as us as far as our people and you're just accepting it you just and excuse my language for the people who are listening um but it's literally the phrase of you're just laying down and getting fucked because that's literally what this is you're allowed you're laying down and you allow them to fuck you because they tell you that or they insist that Martin Luther King is the only person that celebrate and you accept that you go on through the rest of the year and you're quiet for the rest of the year but when January rollbacks around and it gets to that third week of January and it's time to celebrate Martin Luther King Jr. Day here we go everybody's pro-black again so I can never understand that thinking or what goes into the decision making behind that what makes people do that but I have noticed it and you know I can't I can't not speak upon it because I, I notice it. So I feel like I wouldn't be wouldn't have done this podcast any justice had I not spoke upon it. As I previously stated, I don't know what goes into people uh, mindset behind doing this. And not that I'm the person to answer to in regards to any of this, but I'm just curious. I will, I've always been curious as to what made people think that one is OK and the other is not like, is it like you're trying to please are you trying to please these people who told you that you can only celebrate one person or are you just trying to like, I don't know. I honestly, <laughs> I can't even ex- try to dig into. It. I don't know. Maybe you may know. Maybe you may have some thoughts on it. You know, leave some comments. Definitely. Um, I would love to hear you guys feedback. And if you're one of the people I'm talking about, let me know what, what goes into it. Uh, I'd rather hear from the horse's mouth than anybody else's. But speaking upon that, that leads me to another thing. Um, that I didn't originally plan on speaking about this week, but it was just so overbearing, so overwhelming this weekend that I couldn't refrain from talking about it. Is you guys know the Super Bowl passed this week? 
And if you've been listening to this podcast, you know my stance on the NFL right now. As far as them blackballing Colin Kaepernick and keeping him out of the league, I don't plan on supporting the NFL in the foreseeable future. Um, I think for that to change, it had to be something very drastic. It had that something very drastic will have to happen for me to at this point because like at this point I've been two years without watching NFL, um, in support of Colin Kaepernick. And the reason why I bring this up is because you know he since Colin Kaepernick has been blackballed and kept out of the NFL, a lot of people have come to his defense. Um, I'm not even speaking about athletes because that's like the even though I can't speak for someone else. But I can't speak about I can't speak about athletes because I know some of them are probably in in very weird predicaments of where they want to support him, but they can't afford to lose money. Because you know anything about the NFL, in comparison to the NBA and baseball, that like they they get huge contracts, but the contracts is not as crazy as the NFL and baseball, just because of how the NFL is set up. They don't have a players union. Um, baseball contracts are probably the biggest contracts you'll ever see. Uh, basketball contracts are big, but they also like they also are securing the money. So if you go to a basketball team, the team release you. You know you're still owed that money or whatever. Um, it's not the same for the NFL. So I guess a lot of people in the NFL that want to support him may be in like in the middle of a, of, of a weird predicament to where you know you probably have your family relying on you and you want to support this man. And the next thing you know, you're released by a team and you don't have no money coming in and now. You're in the same predicament as Colin Kaepernick. You may not have the sponsor that Colin Kaepernick had. You may not have. You may not have been as good of an athlete as Colin Kaepernick was, so you didn't drag in the same type of contracts. I think one reason, and I don't know Colin Kaepernick's bank account what it looks like, but I do know in his prime when he was taking his team to the Super Bowl and taking his team to the conference championship, that Colin Kaepernick was, as much as I hate to say it, as a former Cowboys fan, because we're rivals with the 49ers and I always hated on Colin Kaepernick um, he was a great athlete in his prime um, he's probably still a, a good athlete now uh, even though he's older because some of that some of that athleticism that he showed just don't go away in one day but um, the reason why I speak upon that is because I think he had a lot of contracts he had a lot of sponsors in his pocket prior to the um, prior to him prior to him kneeling and protesting the national anthem, Colin Kaepernick had a lot of sponsors. Like even before this happened, years before he started protesting the flag, he was getting in trouble with the NFL because of his sponsorship with Beats. Uh, the NFL made a, they made a, um, yeah, what is it called? They had a partnership with Bose. To Bose was the official headphones of the NFL. So, and the terms of that contract was like, you know, all your players have to be seen in our headphones. They can't be seen in any competitors because that's basically like a breach of contract because they represent NFL and we in a partnership with the NFL. So as a result of that, like a lot of players, you wouldn't see them warming up with any other headphones or uh, walking to the stadiums with any other headphones other than Bose. No, no, no. You can walk into the stadium with any other headphones, but you can't be inside the stadium or on the field or anything with any other headphones outside of Bose. However, Colin Kaepernick at that time was one of the like one of that first batch of athletes to actually be sponsored. It's a lot now, but he was like one of the first batch of athletes to actually be sponsored by Beats headphones. So he refused to use the Bose headphones. He was still walking out on the field training and his Beats headphones. So he got fine with that. That was like probably his first little uh, quarrel with the NFL. And I think he did it a couple more times before he stopped. I don't know if he ever stopped or what happened with that. But I remember he did it a couple more times and they was finding him for that.
And so um, I speak about all of that just to say that you know a lot of athletes who's not standing by him is probably just scared. They don't have that. They don't have the secure money. They don't have the sponsorships that they want right now. So they can't really, they can't really let go of some of their money. However, outside of the athletes, you know, there's been a lot of celebrities, a lot of entertainers who are coming out and his defense is still with him. However, Super Bowl weekend come out and the Super Bowl this year was hosted in what they refer to as Black Hollywood, aka Atlanta. Um and so the Super Bowl is hosted in Atlanta this week. Obviously obviously a, a immense amount of black people in Atlanta. Um the NFL was very slick in what they did this year. They brought out Gladys Knight to sing the national anthem. How can you, you know, how can you, I don't know. How can you say anything against that? Um, when you think about the, the pillars of the, the, the singers, the black singers, especially like the soul singers, uh, the ones that your grandparents and your mothers, depending on how what age you are, the ones that they listen to, you know, Gladys Knight, Shaka Khan, Aretha Franklin, all of them are up there. So you bring out somebody like Gladys Knight to sing a national anthem, it's like that's undeniable. Is no one like we're in a cancel culture right now, so everybody is canceling people that's going against what they're against. But nobody's gonna cancel Gladys Knight, rightfully so. Then we had the whole debacle with Travis Scott performing. A lot of people were telling him you know, he shouldn't perform for the cause he uh he was one of the featured artists who performed in the halftime show. The halftime show was really a Maroon Five show, but they had other athletes, uh not other athletes, excuse me, other artists come out and perform with them. Carter B was going to be one of the potential uh stars. However, she didn't. She declined it because she said she did she refused to um she refused to and I'm I'm not quoting her but this is just the gist of what she was saying that she refused to perform just because of her solidarity with Colin Kaepernick and his protests that she's going to stand by his side so boom she decides not to uh, perform the next person up was Travis Scott Travis Scott is hot as lava right now as far as like what his career is he dropped one of the best albums of last year he's one of the hottest artists he has you know a baby one of the most popular young women on this planet um and so he's he's very hot, and so that was the next person they turned to, and a lot of people came out, especially like with the hip hop community, telling Travis Scott, you know, you shouldn't perform, blah blah blah, because this is what we're doing, and basically NFL is trying to get you to perform to turn us against each other. Um, and amidst all that, it was a bunch of stuff that has gone on since the announcement of Travis Scott. Um, the one thing that made me feel some type of way was there was an article that came out where Travis Scott said he consulted with Colin Kaepernick. Uh, prior to making a decision to decide to perform. And then literally hours later, there was a, a I think Colin Kaepernick's fiance, uh, she came on and said that this, this never happened. So basically he lied, trying to get, you know, people to be on his side and not, as I just said, we're in cancel culture, so not to get people to cancel him and stuff like that. Because a lot of people was coming out saying, you know, Travis Scott is canceled because this is, this is this is not his first offense, but this is something that you know he should. Well, let me say this, and I feel like I'm going on a tangent. I'm all over the place, but I'm gonna get back to where I'm supposed to be going. But anyways, people was canceling Travis Scott, but people didn't like Travis Scott from the beginning because of there was some video that had surfaced uh, a couple months ago, or probably like a month ago. I don't think it was too far along to where he was saying basically like. Placing the blame of Michael Scott's, uh, not damn, excuse me, I don't know why I said Michael Scott, thinking about the office. Um, Mike Brown's uh, death 
if you guys remember Mike Brown was a teenager got killed in um, Ferguson he was basically placing the blame upon him but really placing blame upon uh, I guess amongst black people as a whole as as to the way that we carry ourselves and the predicaments we put ourselves in just being black I don't know it was was very weird so a lot of people was getting on the board of canceling him then and then if Ferguson went on you know it doesn't take too much for you to say something like that and then to be associated with the Kardashian family you know those two go hand in hand people was canceling him but then this come out and it just further goes on to the canceling uh, goes on to the canceling uh i don't know what to call them i guess a canceling party or whatever the hell it's called all right <laughs> so i said all that to say this so the super bowl weekend came obviously there's been a lot of celebrities who've been in colin kaepernick's side the past year year and a half he's been protesting for longer than that but this is like when how long has it been really a mainstream or mainstream issue so this is so a lot of people came to the side, and then Super Bowl weekend come, and then you see a lot of black people doing a lot of shucking and jiving for coins, because that's literally what they. That's literally all I saw. I seen a bunch of you know people hosting Super Bowl parties, a lot of people doing Super Bowl performances, not inside the Super Bowl stadium, but it was still like within the city of Atlanta. It was sponsored by you know. Company that's have ties with with the NFL, so kind of look weird. It's like um, I know one example I saw for sure was Cardi B. She uh, declined to perform Super Bowl halftime, but the day before, yeah, because it was either the day before or two days before. Whenever the press, uh, whatever the hell the press conference, because before the Super Bowl, Super Bowl is literally a whole week to where they have uh, stuff set up. For the the um, teams that's about to participate, but one of the big days leading up to the Super Bowl is the press day. Um, you guys remember, you know, years prior, you know, the, the Marshawn Lynch's. You know why I'm here? I'm only here so I don't get fired and all that stuff. This, those were press days. So this year, on the press days, I look on social media and I literally see Cardi B performing. I don't know what I have to look into what company because it looked like Pepsi, but I could be wrong. But I know Pepsi is a sponsor of the NFL, but it looked like Pepsi. But all I know is I saw Cardi B on stage performing with uh, Robert Kraft, who was the owner of the Patriots, in the background dancing. And a lot of people were like, you know, the main thing I saw on social media is people were like laughing, like, aha, look at Robert Kraft, he's lit and all stuff like that. But if you know anything about Robert Kraft, is Robert Kraft is a good friend with Donald Trump. So it looks kind of weird, especially when a week before Robert Kraft was on stage with um, Jay Z, uh, Michael Rubin, who was the part owners of the uh, Philadelphia 76ers, or he is the owner of the 76ers, uh, Meek Mill, and various other people. They, he was on stage with them talking about the prison reform. So it looks kind of weird to like the way that people are, not even the people, the way that Robert Kraft is accepted within the black community, but he also supports. Literally, enemy number one within this country right now is for the black community, aka number 45. Um, I think I just said his name a minute ago and I didn't mean to say that, but uh, going forward, he's number 45. Um, but yeah, it just kind of looks weird that people are like basically like, haha, like look at this white man, he's down with us and all that stuff. But it's like at the end of the day, that man goes home and he feels the way he feels about us, but. Not even to bring too much light on Robert Kraft, but this is a literally black history. This is not even black history. This is just a black uh, episode. So it was going to retain our people. Um, but yeah, this kind of looks weird. Like, all right, so you're not going to do the halftime performance. 
Cardi B, but then we see you the day before performing with a team owner, and just like, what was the thing about that? Like, and then also with Meek Mill, Meek Mill was he wasn't performing; he was on a stage with Cardi B. And he, I'm pretty sure he's 100 percent the reason why Robert Kraft was there. Meek Mill, who has stated that he was uh, aligning himself with Colin Kaepernick as well, he was one of the main people that I heard when uh, Travis Scott was announced he was performing. I said Travis shouldn't be performing. Um. So this all I don't know this and that was just a couple of things that happened, but this whole weekend just it just seemed kind of weird because like here you are, you say you're aligning yourself with Colin Kaepernick, um, you say that you're boycotting NFL as well, and then when someone else is announced that they're performing in a halftime Super Bowl show, you're coming to quote unquote our people defense saying that you know you shouldn't be performing it's not worth it. But then here we see you with an owner of an NFL team who is very good friends with number 45, who is being named in the uh, collusion case that Colin Kaepernick filed against the NFL for for basically punking owners and said, you know, basically keeping him out to, to appease his friend, number 45. So this should just all look kind of weird. So... As normally with stuff like this goes on, you hear backlash. So Meek Mill got a lot of backlash on the internet for, you know, basically like running around with this man and parading this man within these black communities and having him at hip hop shows like that. And I wish I had the post. I mean, I wish I had the tweet. But basically, Meek Mill heard the t- he heard the rumblings that was going on. He saw the tweets that was going on, and essentially, his response was, "I know what I've been through as far as being in prison." I know what I'm fighting for, so don't worry about me. So basically saying that I can somehow boycott the NFL, standing alongside Colin Kaepernick, and, but because I have been in jail and because I'm out here fighting for this prison reform, I can run around with this man and have this man within our communities and within our shows and you know give this man my chain and make him seem like he's one of us. It's okay. Don't worry about me. That just looked kind of weird, and I think that's one of the main problems we've had as a people, as a whole, as far as the black people goes, as far as, like, the division, um, how this ties into what I was speaking about earlier with Martin Luther King um, and I post anybody else. It's just, like, it's kind of hard for us to move forward because we don't move forward as one. Like, we move in very, like, everybody has their own ulterior motives, so... If we're not stepping together as one and everybody's going different routes but trying to get the same place or someone is, you know, willingly trying to go a longer route to get to that place, it just looked kind of weird. And I think that, like, that division it has hurt us as a people for a very, very long time. And it's, it is really hurting us now. And it's like, supposedly, we're supporting Colin Kaepernick and everybody is standing with Cap. But it's like Super Bowl weekend come out and all your morals, you lose all your morals. Um, you're doing whatever you need to do for a couple of dollars. Um, I'm trying to be out here with these NFL owners. Don't anybody has a horse in a race? If you know what the uh, horse in a race reference is, basically nobody has a team in the Super Bowl as far as who they're cheering for. But it's just literally, you're out and about trying to get some money. I don't. That's literally. <laughs> I don't know the actual definition of shucking and driving, but I understand what shucking and driving is. And if that's not shucking and driving, I don't know what is. That's what, that's literally the only way I can explain that and sum that up. But it was a lot of shucking and driving going on this week. And I don't know. That's, it it kind of feels weird, man, because 
And not only because it's Black History Month, but it's just like we've had so much problems progressing in this country, and we we've come a long way. We haven't come that far, but we've we've come a long way because I mean, civil rights was just fifty years ago, um, almost sixty years no sixty years ago. Uh, no, 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 almost fifty. I mean, fifty, almost sixty. I'm saying it incorrectly, but um. We haven't come that far along. Like we we we've come along, but we haven't come that far along. But the difference between the '60s and 2019 is that everybody was moving to the sound of one beat. As far as 2019, everybody moving to the sound of different beats. It's like we in a a, a world festival, and it's just like everybody's going to whatever stage they want to go to to listen to a different type of music or a different type of genre because we're not moving in unison. And that's going to continuously hurt us moving forward. And I don't, I don't know like what it, what it's going to do to, I don't know what is going to have to happen for us to get our shit together and move forward. But it's just like as long as we moving the way we moving right now, shit is is not going to get better because it's so easy to disrespect us. It's so easy to undermine us as a people. It's so easy to, you know, just shrug your shoulders at the thought of inequality because it's like. They're not standing with each other anyways. Here we have this black man who has sacrificed literally his career for to bring, you know, light to the issues of social inequality and injustices in this world and the prison reform, everything like that. And he literally don't have the the backing of his own people. Yes, there's a lot of people that support uh Kaepernick, white and black, but it's just like a lot of black people don't support Colin Kaepernick. A lot of black people tune into the and I don't want to seem like a hypocrite because I previously stated that I'm not going. I'm not the type of person that's going to like try to force something upon someone. I'm not going to say because I'm doing something you should do it or because I'm doing it is correct. As far as like the right now speaking specifically about the NFL boycott, um, but it's just like it's kind of weird. Like I don't watch the NFL because my morals won't let me. And I'm sorry, I, I realize I'm speaking kind of loud, and that's probably messing up y'all. Uh, earphones or speakers, but uh, I don't watch the NFL because it just—I don't know—it just goes against my war- morals. It goes against what I stand for, as far as my people, um, as far as my pride, um, and, and even my ego. But it's just like for some, for a lot of people, it's like oh well, and I can't understand it, but I can't understand it. But that literally comes from the mindset of people I, I've heard in my whole life, but like saying that. You know, you doing that is not going to change anything. Like, yeah, you 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 boycotting and protesting this, but it's like they're going to keep on doing this. And I understand that thinking, but at the same time, it's like, come on, man, have some dignity, have some pride. Um, aside from what was going on in Atlanta, literally everybody was tweeting and talking about the NFL. This whole, I mean, talking about the Super Bowl this whole week, and shit just looks kind of weird. Um, everybody has their own reasons. Again, I'm not going to be the hypocrite and try to go back on my word and try to force people to what I'm doing. But I know what my heart won't allow me to do. So I don't know what it is that don't click with other people to where, you know, they have no problem supporting this type of stuff. But, you know, they do it. And I and I can say I wish that they didn't. But again, <laughs> say it for the third time. I can't force what I think is correct on top of on to other people because people may think what I think is correct is incorrect, and they have no they have no reason to not believe what you know what I'm doing is incorrect. But just going along with what I'm speaking about as far as us moving forward as a people, if we can't step out and you know sacrifice shit for our people and have the backing of our people, 
it's going to be hard for us moving forward. And this is why, like, you know, we're still fighting for certain shit. We're still, you know, trying to bring issues, bring light to certain issues. And it's kind of hard for people to take us serious because it's like, look at them niggas. They don't even support their own kind. So how are we going to support them? How are we going to get back? How are we going to get behind them? How are we even going to listen to them? Because they don't even believe in what they're fighting for because... Look at this person. He's not supporting or he's not going for what they're going for. I don't know, man. And this all looks kind of weird. But that that type of division is literally what's hurting us. Like, um, I know one of the in the past couple of years, one of the big things has been like people have tried to align Black Lives Matter with racist groups. Now, I'm not going to go out and say that the Black Lives Matter with the uh, Black Lives Matters are aligned with racist groups because it's completely that's completely inaccurate. But I understand their thinking. Because literally, Black Lives Matter started on the internet, and from that, from what it formed from a hashtag, it formed to an actual, uh, um, um, a actual group. Like they have a co-founder, they have a founder, they have like it's it's literally a uh, I don't know if it's a nonprofit, but it's literally like a, it's a company. And and within all that, a lot of people th- still think of it just as a hashtag. So when we see certain people, you know, out here fighting and protesting and stuff. For us, is some of this stuff is sanctioned by Black Lives Matter because they had different divisions all across the country. But so let's or I'm gonna give you guys an example of, of why I think people think of that think like that as far as them being aligned with racist groups. Because we have the people that's actually fighting a good fight and their Black Lives Matter, like beyond the beyond a hashtag, and some of us that that just say Black Lives Matter. Because it's as simple as that. Black lives do matter. But then Let's say for me specifically, it's some. Let's, I'm in New York right now. There's somebody. In, there's a group in Manhattan. Let's say they are there protesting Black Lives Matter because something, another injustice or something happened, and they're marching through Times Square, you know, doing peaceful protests, and they're saying Black Lives Matter. And I walk outside, and I'm just, I'm just turned up because the same issue have you know gotten to me and made me feel some type of way. So now I walk outside, and I'm just turned up, and that just makes me feel a certain type of way. And I see, I see, I just see a white person, and that shit just, you know, makes me, just makes me do something, and I hurt this white person, I kill this white person, anything like that, and I say, you know, Black Lives Matter. That's literally what we have going on. That type of division is what we have going on within our people. And, and and I see it a lot. A lot of people who hear Black Lives Matter, they literally think of it as a hashtag rather than an actual group that's fighting for our rights, that's bringing light to a lot of uh, social issues. And so when you have instances like that to where you have a group in Manhattan fighting for our rights and then you have me just walking outside, just punching on a white person because I'm angry, um... That is what makes people think that, you know, they're violent and they're, you know, aligned with all these uh, uh, far left. uh, Is it not far? I said far left. uh, All right. um, Groups and stuff like that. And I didn't mean to speak about this for too long, but here we are 30 minutes in and I'm still on it. I didn't want to spend because I had a bunch of other topics. and I don't want to drag this episode out because I know people don't want to be listening to podcasts for longer than an hour. I think all you guys that do listen for an hour, but I know going past the hour is kind of like, eh, you know, I got other shit to do. Get to the point and stuff like that. So, um, I didn't want to speak about that for too long, but and speaking about, you know, going out and punching on people, I don't know if you guys have heard what's been going on with Liam Neeson, but basically, in a press tour or a press run for his new movie that's come out, 
coming out. I'm not even going to speak upon a movie because I don't want you guys to look into it and maybe think that's interesting and you want to go out and watch it. So I'm not going to give them I'm not going to give them any type of press. They're doing their own type of press. They got marketing. They got people in places for marketing and stuff that they get paid for stuff like that. So if you want to see the movie or they need you to know the name of the movie, they'll get it out there. So basically, he's been going on a um is he's been going on a press run and when running his interviews he I don't even know how it came about, but basically he revealed that years ago he had a, a friend of his who had got raped and he asked her to describe the suspect, the person who raped her, and she described it as a black man. He said from then he was in a rage and he walked out the house looking for just the first black this is this is his word. He walked out the house looking for the first black bastard. I think he either had a crowbar or a hammer. I guess he was gonna carry out a, a racially motivated homicide. Um Fortunately for the black people in that area, he didn't find him. We didn't lose any. We didn't lose any life or anything like that. Uh, mind you, this was overseas. This wasn't in America, but still, it's no difference. Um, but he never found anybody, and he walked it off and went back home, and that was that. I don't know why he decided to reveal this. I guess he thought that this was going along with the line of the movie, because I guess the, the part of the movie is about getting revenge for someone killing someone close to him. Whatever the case is, I guess he thought that he was getting something off, and he thought that. You know, this is why I thought this was a great time to reveal this information. I don't know, but the nigga released the information and it's out there now. So I bring that up because this is also a big problem in America because stuff like this happen every day. And not even that it happened every day, it affects shit going on in other countries because they see it happen every day. Literally taking the lives of black people and not having to answer nobody because he thought all he heard was he was black and the nigga thought I'm gonna go find somebody black and kill him. Now had he actually killed somebody, he might have gotten off. I don't know what the laws are like in uh Britain. I think he's from Britain. Um I don't know what the laws are like out there, but literally that's what he was going to do and that's ha- that has played out many times in this country over and over for the past 400 years. Um, you kill an African-American and you get away with it. And the reason why I bring this up is because now he's trying to, I guess, recant the statement. Uh, and in result of this, you know, obviously a lot of people protested. Uh, the movie's supposed to be released, I think, uh, when this episode drops. But he had a red carpet premiere yesterday and they canceled it. So shout out to y'all, whoever got out there and protested. They canceled a red carpet premiere. But my whole thing with that is like he had no problem with revealing the information because he knows how this country values our people. Um, and this is a, one of the main reasons why I personally have a lot of problems with people who are not black because I, how they value us or how they see us because literally the only information or the only you know examples they get of how to treat us is of you know media. Or how other people like people know people who are foreign and come to America, they know that the superior race are even though I all right, I'm not gonna say it, but they believe I said I know and I was about to fall into that. I had to catch myself. They believe that the superior race in this world are Caucasians. All around. Or not even all around, but at least in this country. 
So for us to be the country that most countries look to as far as like examples, uh, this is a country people get to to escape, uh, come live the American dream. They see how they treat certain people based on a certain race. And for so many years, it was legal. When they get here, they're going to say, okay, you know, we're going to treat them the same way. So essentially, we are treated inhumane. And I speak for myself personally because like I grew up even I still deal with it now. Like I, I get it. Um, that's the reason why I don't really deal with too many people outside of my race. But it's like I grew up in a neighborhood of majority African American and Mexican. While I had a lot of Mexican friends, uh, went to school majority of Mexicans and Black people. I caught on how you know Mexicans treated me as a Black person, even though we both were at the bottom of the totem pole. But I caught on early to how Mexican treated me, and that and you know, that played out well into my my life as far as middle school and high school and getting the fights with Mexican stuff like that. And I'm not saying this to sound any type of racism stuff like that because I, I get along with a lot of Mexican people. Like some of my closest friends are Mexican. But I do understand this is like why I don't go all my way to mess with them because it's just I understand how they treat me, I understand how they look at me. And I've been treated very poorly. And I'm not gonna say I'm treated treated very poorly because when I was younger I used to if you treat me a certain way, you're going to have to answer to it because it's because I was a high head. Um, but just like I caught on a lot of stuff and I never understood it. But it's like, you know, if this is where we're going and that's where we're going to take it. Then we're going to have problems and literally have had problems with most of my um, even elementary, elementary, uh, middle school and high school. But as I got older and I started to, you know, situate myself and, you know, uh, make acquaintance and make friends with more people that were Mexican or even people that you know have family that come that that was like first uh, generation uh, Mexican American. They tell me like you know the problems they even have in their country as far as colorism. I still don't understand it, but I started to like get a sense of knowledge, uh, get a sense of like why they treat us even worse. But and this is not even just to spread light on Mexican because I see this with how Chinese and uh, Asian people treat me as well. I treat the, uh how Middle Eastern, Middle Eastern, Middle Eastern people treat me as well. Um, their only examples of how to treat us is what is portrayed in media or what they hear with what's going on. So imagine being foreign, and then you hear that people are out here killing uh, people because of their race. They're able to keep people out of certain uh businesses or deny them certain things because of their race and it's legal like they're getting away with it and it's been going on for so many years if you hear this i guess to put this in a more uh personal sense let's say you live in a certain community and everything is all peaches like you utopia but the next community over let's say it's a it's a mile away from where you live the next community over, there's people who live there and they treat certain people because of how they look a certain way and it's it's legal. It's legal no one you you don't get punished for it, uh no one gets in trouble, um no legal actions are taken against them, can't be sued, can't be taken to jail, none of that. It's just it's okay to do it and the other people literally can't do anything because if they fight back, they're either getting killed or you don't hear from them again. They somehow make them disappear. Um, they're raping their people. All this other type of stuff. You hear all this shit going on in that other community. Alright. So the community you live in, the utopia. Let's say you run out of money. And your lease in that community is running up. 
So at the end of your lease, you're like, all right, I have to move somewhere cheaper. The only other option is a community over. Now you move to that community, you're a foreigner. You don't know, you're, you don't look like none of those people, you don't sound like none of those people, and you're now looking for an apartment in that community. You're now about to be you know, a citizen, uh, a resident in that community. So you find your apartment, you get settled in. When you see someone, you, when you see someone of the group that they were treating a certain way, you're going to, because of what you've heard and because of what you've seen and because you know what other people's getting away with, you're going to treat them that same way because you have no reason not to. Because as far as you know, it's okay to do that. And so that's, I mean, I, I hope that I didn't go over too many people's heads and like trying to explain that example, but that's literally how a lot of people think as far as people who are outside of America. Um, this is how they think of black people. Um, and people that come to America decide to think of black people. I don't mean to shine light on a specific race or a specific people from certain countries, but this is just like from my personal experience in dealing with foreigners, I don't deal with them. I like keep them at a bay just because I'm not sure the type of people they are and I know how they feel about it. And this is this is, I can be incorrect in everything that I'm speaking, but this is I'm speaking from my own personal standpoint. Uh, and having to deal with foreigners, I have dealt with a lot of foreigners. Dealt being around a lot of foreigners, um, I've had a problem with a lot of foreigners, and even people that are not foreigners. I just had a lot of problems with people who aren't black, who have been, you know, within this country for a long time. They fa- they family has been in this country a long time, but because of what they see, they think that it's okay to treat us a certain type of way. Not to get off the Liam Neeson, but I have to I had to explain that to get like to give you guys a certain I'm guessing what they're kind of thinking is, but um, yeah. So he went out, never found nobody, went back home. Um, now he's on this press run, still trying to suppress, uh, still trying to push this movie because it's supposed to be coming out uh, today, the day that this episode releases. But uh, now he's not even recanting the statement, but saying that he's not a racist, that he had those thoughts, and he was ashamed that he had those thoughts, but he had to for some reason. Release this information because I don't know what the hell he had to release. I haven't like after I after I heard the audio of him saying that and releasing revealing that news, I didn't have to hear anything else from. Like I know he's going on a press run now to re uh, to defend himself and say he's not racist, and we're gonna hear you know as we usually hear with people when they say something that's insensitive to our people is that you know I'm so sorry for what I said or I'm so sorry for having those thoughts. Um, I didn't think that. I didn't think of how my uh, actions or feelings would affect, you know, the, the bullshit we hear all the time. Um, so I haven't listened to any of his stuff since then, but apparently he's going on the press run now telling people he's not racist. And I had to double back on what I just said um, in regards to like how people treat us because I'd be remiss if I didn't. Because I felt like I was singling out, you know, certain certain um ethnicities and it's not that because i have to hold my people accountable as well because we we also have the problem of colorism within our community within america but you know certain people are treated certain ways because of what they see um like i said i was speaking about having to deal with new mexican i always happen to deal with mexican people mexican people some of my closest friends and some of my worst enemies growing up but uh like being an adult now and you know having known people to be able to happen to be able to explain with me like the problems they have with colorism within their country i understand why certain people well, i don't understand but i get a better idea of why certain why i have certain interactions with certain people like for example um 
when I used to live in Compton, across the street from us, there was two Mexican kids. One that lived directly across from me was Jose, and the one that lived across diagonally was this guy named Raul. Now, I didn't spend too much time at home, only on the weekends when we lived in Compton, because my mom worked a lot. So once we got out of school, me and my brother used to go to a daycare, which was my auntie's house. My auntie uh, had a daycare. And so we literally spent five days a week, um, went from school to daycare, and when my mom got off of work, she'd pick all of us up. So I didn't really spend too much time, you know, at our house during the week. It was mainly like around my cousins and around other family members and my brother and stuff like that during the week. But on the weekends, you know, on, especially like on Saturdays after we get done watching cartoons and it's time to go outside and play, I literally used to go outside and play soccer with uh, my friend Jose. Now Jose, he was a a darker Mexican. And then to the right, uh, Raul was, I didn't even know Raul, even though his name is Raul, and I understand now that Raul was a Mexican name, but I literally didn't know Raul was Mexican until the time that I heard his parents speaking Spanish, and I was like, okay, he's Mexican, because I thought he was white, that's literally how his skin appeared, but like, I got an idea of this, like, that's like my first interaction where like, not really racism, but like, felt like racism, more probably prejudice to like, what how his parents would react because Raul and Jose was very close friends so when Raul wasn't outside literally just be me and Jose sometimes be all three of us we just play soccer together or if it was just me and Jose outside and Raul would come outside you know conveniently you know if his parents found out that he was outside with us he would be you know back within his house or something like that and it would be sometimes that literally I would come outside and they would be playing together, and Jose would like, you know, try to get me in the game and stuff like that. And Raul would feel a certain type of way. And I'm like, no. Um, so like, Raul was a he stayed in like a like he had a big gated house. We had gates around our house too, but like we had a I forget the hell you call them gates, but it's like the metal gates, and it's like space in between them. Uh, if you get an idea of the type of gates we had, but they literally had like a little gate that sat high, like it was probably about like four feet high of concrete, and then on top of that, it was metal. So these gates sat pretty high, and then they had a, a, a metal gate for their driveway. So our whole gates was metal. Jose gates was metal. So like it wasn't that much like exclusion from outside people, but just it like it's a gate because this is our property. But as far as how Raul's gates were, it was just like basically like keep all the outsiders out, and not like keep niggas out or something like that. But it's just like that's probably the type of money they had, and that's how they you know protected their house because they, it, from what I from what I remember as a kid, they they probably were well off just because of how the, how big the house was and how that gate was structured. Uh, in appearance, I mean, in a uh, comparison to how everybody else on that block the gate was structured. But uh, anyways, not to get off the subject. But, like, it would be some times to where, like, I would come outside and they would already be outside and I'd try to play. And the niggas would literally try to keep me out of the game or try to keep me, like, away from him because either he didn't like me or his parents didn't want him playing with me. And I speak about the gated community because it would literally be some times to where I'd come outside and a nigga would play with us. And it'd be all, or I'd come outside and they'd already be playing and I'd play with all three of them. And the nigga would, like, try to, like, you know, convince Jose to come over to his house because I, like, I probably been over there like maybe like one or twice, once or twice within that gated uh, community of his house. But like, you get if like I wasn't stupid as a kid. I'm still not stupid now. If you show me a certain type of thing, like okay, nigga don't fuck with me or nigga don't want me to do certain thing, I'm not gonna try to force my way on, onto anything. So like, 
I kind of caught the I kind of caught the like the gist of it as a kid. So like there would be certain times where he would invite Jose to come over and just play soccer within his because the majority of the time we played soccer was in Jose's yard because they had a big front yard. We had a big front yard, but the way ours was structured, it was sectioned. So like we had a walkway that led up to the door, and on the two sides was grass on the left and it was glass grass on the right. But it wasn't that big because it was split off. Um, if like we didn't have our walkway and our trees that lined up our walkway. Probably would have been a bigger yard, but because we had our walkway, it wasn't that big of a yard. But Jose's didn't have that. It was literally all grass in the front, and then to the right of it, it was uh, the driveway. So he had a big yard. So most time we played we played soccer in his yard, but Raul's yard was kind of the same as well um, as Jose's. But as I previously spoken, his was sectioned off. So there would literally be times where like he would like kind of like try to give him a hint. And there would be times they were speaking Spanish. You tell Jose, like, yo, come over to my house. If a nigga go over to your house and I notice that y'all don't want me to play with y'all, I was like, okay, I'm just not going to play with y'all. Like, I wasn't a loser as a kid. I had a lot of friends. Um, I have a lot of siblings. I had a lot of cousins and shit like that. So, like, something like that happened. Like, all right, you know, I'm just not going to fuck with y'all. So, like, I didn't understand that as a kid. But now that I'm an adult and I've had conversations with different people and I understand, like, what's going on back in Mexico, I understand they have a colorism problem. And I understand... Like that paired with how they see how Americans treat us, I understand more now as to why the nigga was feeling or why his family felt the type of way and why he projected that onto me or why they projected that onto him, which would cause him to, you know, feel a certain type of way towards me. <laughs> so that's one of the main reasons why I feel like it's important for, as far as I speak for division and not to just single out Mexico because I know there's colorism all around the world. Um, within the Middle East and definitely within China. Um, but the, my main thing with China, uh, not even China, uh, within like the Asian countries, they mimic a lot of stuff that goes on in America as far as like how the beauty standards and as far as like what what's in and what's out. They get a lot of it from America. And so that's one main reason why I really like, and I don't mean this to disrespect anybody because I have a couple of Asian friends as well, but I do know like as far as that continent, goes they get a lot of that from america so they see you know what the beauty standards and what america's pushing as far as what's okay and what's not um paired with how they treat certain people with certain skin colors i kind of get the gist of you know why they treat us or why they feel it's okay to treat us a certain way i don't go for it but i know a lot of people you know are victims of certain type of hate crimes or people acting racist towards them or projecting different prejudices onto them I kind of understand why they're doing it because it's like if somebody's not telling you something is wrong, why not go against it? I mean, if somebody's telling you something is correct and it's not incorrect, why go against it? Because obviously this is the way they get down, so why not get down the same way? And I didn't mean to speak too much upon this, but I just have to go into the, the mind thinking of why somebody from Britain who was getting a lot of money in America off this uh, off his movies, off his acting, would think it's okay to reveal his thoughts of when he thought, you know, one night that I'm going to go out and just kill a black, the first black person I saw. Don't know why niggas think that's okay, especially walking around a crowbar. I guess within that country it's okay, but, you know, try that shit in, in America. Go to an uh, urban neighborhood, walk around with a damn crowbar, and you think that you're going to kill the first black person, it's probably not going to go as well. Especially with Liam Neeson. I don't know how much of the stuff in the movies he actually do as far as him versus stunt doubles, but I don't think that nigga can really get down like he does in the movies. But had he had been in America, I don't think it would have went too well for him. And to wrap all this up, I say all that to say 
this is why representation matters. This is why it is important in the way that we are that we are portrayed in the media, whether it's uh, movies, television shows, uh, marketing, um, you know, pictures for clothing companies, um, i.e., H and M uh, last year. Um, whatever the case is, this is why representation matters because as long as we allow people to disrespect us in the media. This is what foreign. This is what people outside of our communities, outside of our races, what people outside of our country. This is the only. This is the only interaction they have with our people is the way that we are portrayed, and we are constantly being disrespected. And this is all they know. They're going to treat us the same way. This this that type of thinking that this nigga had to to leave the house and just search for the first. This was his words, quote unquote, black bastard. Said he was going to hurt them. This is what led to arresting, and um, I should have took some time out in the beginning. Uh, first of all, happy belated birthday to Trayvon Martin, who turned 21 years old yesterday, or it may have been today. Um, but this is the same, same type of stuff that got him murdered, as I spoke in the previous episode about, you know, the idiot George Zimmerman. Before he went out and killed Trayvon Martin, the nigga was on the phone with the police operator, and he was saying that, you know, it was somebody black in his neighborhood walking around with a hoodie and he looked suspicious and they told him, you know, not to pursue, you know, the per- they, Trayvon Martin. They told him not to pursue Trayvon Martin and he took it upon himself to go out and it ultimately led to Trayvon Martin getting killed. But he ultimately decided to go out and kill him because I guess there have been break-ins in his gated community and his last words on the phone um, was these bastards always get away. So be, so he decided to do the same thing that Liam Neeson decided to do was go out and basically hunt black people. And this goes back to the, the three fifths law. They don't see us as anything. You know, they and on the African continent, they go. People go there and they see black people. and They think of them as savages. They come to America where we're a little more civilized than they are in Africa. And they think of us as three fifths of a man. So we're not wholeheartedly are a hundred percent human but we're part human a little bit of human but we're still part of the savages as well so that's where the three-fifths law came in so all this shit just it seems kind of weird but this is why it's important for us to stick together this is important for us to to back each other because when we're divided we allow certain shit like this to happen we don't allow it like this shit is uncalled for but it happens and this is why oh i'm sorry for messing up the mic this is why the unification, this is why standing together, this is why it's important to not be divided. Um, that's really all I'm, I'm speaking on that. I don't want to give that man too much uh, of my energy, but I did. But anyways, and speaking about us and our people, um, I had to come clean and say that I got played. <laughs> um, as most of you know by now, a couple weeks ago, actually on Martin Luther King Jr. Day, um, Kamala Harris, a senator for Oakland, announced her uh, that she was throwing her hat in for the the run for the presidency of 2020. Now, me being ignorant, I'm watching the news. I watch the news every morning. I see a black lady. She's from Oakland, saying that she's uh, uh throwing her uh, hat in a bit in the running for uh, president for 2020. So I'm. It don't take much for me. So I'm already backing her. Like she's black. She's from Oakland. I even made when I first saw it. I made a joke about it. like she might be related to me because I have a lot of family in Oakland, um, and that's the name of my. When my people came from Louisiana, they split. Some of them went to Oakland. Some of them went to 
uh, Compton Nickerson Gardens uh, area. And my family that are, that are in Oakland, their last name is Harris. So I made a joke like, ah, that's she probably related to me or something like that. Me just joking, you know, I seen a black lady throwing her uh her name in the running for African American, blah blah blah. So a couple of days go by and then I figure out like, damn, this is not what I thought. Like more information came out. A couple people, because uh, I wasn't, as I just said, I was ignorant, so I wasn't hip to all that she has done. But basically in her time as a senator for Oakland, she has been against black people. Um, so I had to excuse myself. I had to I had to be transparent and let you guys know that that's how I thought initially. But maybe you were the same as me. You seen a black lady throw her name in the uh, running and thought it was all for us. But that's not what just about. Um, from what I read and what I gathered, the information I gathered that basically in her time as a when she was attorney general in uh, in Oakland or the Alameda, Alameda County, basically she spent most of her time locking up black people that you know some people were saying that she was locking up people and doing it with a smile on her face uh also within her time you know she was she had a heavy track record of basically just terrorizing just the black communities out there in oakland you know anything about the base there's a lot of black communities majority uh black and asian communities out there in the bay um but basically she was just terrorizing black communities through the uh, prison industrial complex by basically just locking up people for uh, just it's, it's just weird um other than that like she was even she's even on record for just all the stuff that she was backing um i think one of them was she didn't want to she wasn't for the legalization of marijuana in california even though you know majority of the people majority of the black people that she was locking up within her time as an attorney general has been black people on, you know, the charges of uh, marijuana and non-criminal conventions. And she's basically throwing them in jail for uh, excess amount of years. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, she also has been noted for her failure to support body cameras. Basically, you know, in this time of not meant to speak on that in the last episode as well, because another it was I forgot, I think it was I think it was actually in New York. But uh, basically, she didn't support body cameras. So the re- my problem with that, if you guys don't understand the reason behind that is, you know, body cameras, this whole thing came about as more police have started to get off with uh, killings of unarmed black men. So obviously we have body cameras is, is like this didn't stop them from doing anything, but it's more documented. But uh, she didn't support that. She didn't support body cameras. uh being prevented not prevent being prevented being assigned to uh officers within her county and then you know she also was simultaneously opposing legislation that would require her office to uh i guess investigate police shootings so you pair you know her not supporting body cameras and then also opposing you know legislation that requiring her office to investigate police shootings this shit seemed kind of weird especially with her being a black lady um also read that she had defended the street uh the three strikes law she only, if you know anybody who's in jail or anybody who's been in jail especially if you're being black i'm pretty sure you know what the uh, three strikes law is if you don't know what the three if you don't know what the three strikes law is then look it up um yeah man there's a bunch of just crazy shit so initially i was like you know all four and then it took me about a day or two and i was like all right <laughs> This is this is not what this is about. But just keep in mind, the presidential election is coming up. Twenty twenty will be here before we know it. Shit, the year just starting. We already mid about to be mid uh, February next month. I mean, not next month, next week. 
before you know it, it's gonna be in March. So man, just keep it keep up before you decide to back anybody. Just keep uh, a mind of what they are about or what they have stood behind in the past because that's probably the type of shit they're gonna be pushing within their presidential campaign. So just keep an eye out for that because everything is not what it seems. And speaking about officers and body cameras and stuff, um, the police officer who fatally shot Emantic Bradford uh, was let off on no charges. If you don't know the story of Emantic uh, Bradford Jr., actually, um, there was a shooting at a mall in uh, Hoover, Alabama. I want to say like sometime, I want to say in the summer of last year, or maybe it was like not even too, too many months ago. Um, so maybe like either summer or fall, but it wasn't too, it wasn't too long ago that it happened. It's been like maybe months. Um, so there was a shooting that happened at a mall in Hoover, Alabama. The shooting happened. Obviously everybody break, break out. There was a man there who was Emantic Bradford, formerly, uh, he was a U.S. Uh, Army veteran. He was in a shopping mall. Now, mind you, Alabama, they have uh, open carry laws, which is basically, if you don't know what open carry is, uh, or I should say Alabama is open carry state. If you don't know what open carry is, it's basically it's legal for an adult to walk around with a firearm without a permit. So that's the type of state that Alabama is. Um, so there was fires that run down the mall. Somebody got hit. And I guess the person who was shooting the shots was still like with in the mall so everybody obviously if you hear gunshots you run away from the gunshots you get low and you run away from the gunshots so everybody's running away from the gunshots and Emantic had his gun out walking towards the gunfire basically like showing that you know basically trying to stop the shooting because there was a couple of shots that rang off so he's walking towards the shooting to, you know, to, to protect the people that's running away because I'm guessing he's the only person in the mall with a gun. So he took it upon himself to protect the people. Mind you, he's an Army veteran, so this is like second nature for him to protect the people um, that, that can't protect themselves. So he moves towards the person that's firing the shots and police quickly, I don't know why, I think police was already in the area. So police quickly respond and... Why he's walking toward so to give you guys a visual setting for it, wherever the shots rang out for him, he's walking towards the he's walking towards wherever the gunfire is coming from. The police are, is coming from behind him, so there's literally no interaction with him and the police, and they could pull up behind him. As soon as they get there, they shoot him. They see a handgun and they shoot him. He's dead. So basically, there's no charges brought against him because the court decided that there was no they said it let me read it to you guys i'm gonna read it verbatim what it said um front i read from this article in the 24 page report attorney general steve marshall included that whoever police officer identified only officer one who shot bradford had reasonably exercised his duties officers one actions were reasonable under the circumstances and were consistent with his training and national and nationally accepted standards for active shooter scenarios, the report stated. Let me get into another part of this article. Um, blah, 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 blah. The officer who was on duty at the mall said in the statement that he turned toward the sound of the gunfire with his weapon draw and saw an injured man clutching his stomach near a railing with another man helping him. He also said he saw an 
quote-unquote armed suspect who was quickly moving towards the two males standing near the railing. The suspect was advancing on the two males and had a black handgun in his right hand, officer said. I fired my duty weapon at the armed suspect to stop him. That man was Mr. Bradford. The officer said that he thought killing Mr. Bradford was going to kill the two men. And the report said the officer had mistakenly believed Mr. Bradford had fired the initial shots. The officer said he was unable to issue verbal commands before firing, quote unquote, due to the quickness of the event and the immediate threat Bradford posed to the two men. So, these police are not protecting black. They, well, I don't even know that. Let me not get into that because I don't know if the people, the two men who was injured were actually black. But this is another problem that we have within this community. And it goes back to the thinking that Liam Neeson had is that literally we see this play out all the time where you compare it to how they how officers react to even if it was semantic Bradford I'm, I'm sorry I'm so sorry for uh, mispronouncing his name Ematic Bradford um, even if he was let's say he was after shooter in the way that they responded to him in a way that after shooters are responded to in other instances when they're white is this is I don't know. It's just it's inhumane. It's like okay, so they so you're behind the man. You have no interaction with him, and you shoot him. You don't tell him to stop. You don't normally. They say like he wasn't. He was within his rights, within his actions. But I thought normally before you you know stop a shooter, you try to apprehend him. Before you try to apprehend him, you issue verbal commands. So you don't walk behind him and tell him to stop or tell him not to advance to let him know that hey oh it's police behind me they can handle it i can drop my gun so instead of preventing i mean instead of you know doing that which i would think that's part of the training as well is first you know making some type of verbal commands to the to the suspect before you move in on apprehending them and if you can't apprehend him and if you're in threat and if somebody else is in threat then you know you kill him I mean, then you you do whatever you got to do at that point. You apply force, not even kill him, because this obviously was not warranted. So you skip those first two statements, and you just go straight to shooting the man. You don't make any contact. You don't make any interaction. You don't warn him, let him know, like, hey, you know, there's police behind me. Because if he's a veteran, and if his whole objective is to move forward to, to the gunshots to protect everybody else that's running away, make sure no one else get hit other than these uh, two men, or who knew? If he was walking towards the two men, maybe he was... You know, he pulled out his gun to scare out whoever was shooting to provide some, uh, to provide some type of uh, medical assistance to him. Because as a veteran, he's also he has experience with being a first responder. Because across all branches, that's one thing we learn is that no matter what's going on, you know, you you should if if it's immediate and it's within your if you're within the area of someone who need medical uh, medical uh, what are we looking for uh, medical attention. Then you should provide that type of medical attention to them because we're trained in that and we, we understand that. So maybe that's what he was advancing towards the two man for. So instead of allowing him to do that, you shoot and kill him. And this goes right back to the thinking that Liam Neeson had is that it don't even go back to that. It goes to, I mean, it's it's intertwined with that. But this goes back to it's just how I was speaking about how they treat us within this country as far as like. We see it play out every time and time again. There's a because uh, majority, not even majority. I think all of the times, if there is a, a a mass shooting going on, there the majority of the time the, the perpetrator is a white male, 
And how they respond to them in response to how they just responded to this man, it happens every time. We see it played out with Dylan Roof. We see it, and I don't remember all these dudes' names. I remember Dylan Roof because it was one of, not the most recent, but one of the most recent that happened in Charlotte, uh, Charleston, South Carolina. But and even in previous ones before them, I don't remember all their names. But we see it. This is how it plays out every time: is that they move in and they're so cautious with how they remove these people from the from wherever the, the the imminent threat is and how they you know walk them to the police car and they're so gracefully when they put them in the car but when it's black people in this instance and they're armed it's literally shoot and kill them it's, you know don't even think of, don't even second guess it this is literally just shoot and kill them so I don't know this shit is weird but it's just like this is why it's so important for us to stick together because we see how other people feel about us. We see how other people treat us. We see that our lives are not valued. So that paired with us not backing each other, as I was speaking about previously with uh, Colin Kaepernick and people fake supporting him. This is why it's so important for us to to look out for each other because don't nobody else care about us. If nobody else care about us, we don't care about ourselves. This shit, we're going to be real fucked up going on. And, and I apologize for my language, but this is just, this is how I feel. I'm very passionate about my people. I'm very passionate about myself. I'm very passionate about our history. And I'm very passionate about going forward. I have nieces and nephews. I have younger siblings. And I'm going to have kids sooner or later. And this is the world that they're going to be brought into. That they're basically constantly reminded that, you know, their lives are not valued or, you know, they don't mean anything. And that's not what we need going forward because as i say the children are the future so why are we bringing kids into the world if this is what our future looks like so man to wrap all that up this is this is why all this matters and i had more i want to talk about in this episode but i guess i'm going to uh speak about that in the next episode however um before i do get out of here i'm going to give a huge shout out to candace Payne. if you guys remember last week i started out the episode you know Wishing uh, my thoughts and prayers for the people in the Midwest who were severely affected by the that polar um, vortex. It took a couple people's lives. A lot of people. Um, this it was. I don't know, man. It was just too crazy. I'm pretty sure you saw it um, covered in the media. But uh, Candace, the reason why I'm shouting out Candace Payne is because she decided to book 20 hotel rooms for homeless people. Mind you, she was black. Um, I should have mentioned that. Uh, so this is a, a, a segment of black excellence. She booked 20 hotel rooms for homeless people to stay in during a, a polar vortex. And this is all on her credit card. She put it on her card. And um, some more people noticed what she was doing, and they joined in on her. So altogether, they rented out, I think the total, uh, the total rooms was they rented out 80 rooms in a hotel, and they put uh homeless people within an area in these rooms so that they would be as uh be able to escape the cold and not you know suffer from those near-death conditions out there and so huge shout out to candace Payne for doing that because that's man that's right there that selflessness that the thought to just go out and do that is something that a lot of us wish to attain and i don't mean that None of us is not selfless, but to actually to go out and do that. It's one thing to think about it, like I would like to do this, but it's another thing to actually go out and do it. So once again, huge shout out to Candace Payne. Um, as I said, I didn't want this episode to be too long, but 
I have many other topics I want to talk about. We're going to get into that next week. But I'm going to wrap up this episode right here. But before I get out of here, and I don't know why the hell I'm saying but so much. Before we get out of here, my what to watch for this week is Killer Mike's Trigger Warning. If you have Netflix, it's Trigger Mike Killer Warning. Um, I said Killer Warning. My what to watch for this week is Trick. My what to watch this week is Killer Mike's Trigger Warning. It's on Netflix. If you don't have Netflix, watch his The Breakfast Club interview on YouTube. Um, you can watch both of them. You can watch either or. Uh, but they're both equally as good as each other. I really like his series on Netflix, The Trigger Warning. But I really, really like his interview with The Breakfast Club. Um, he did a couple other interviews I got to check out. But the one with The Breakfast Club is really good. And now to get into my best kept secret for this week is Black Heroes by Wale. This is off of one of probably my favorite albums in the past five, maybe even five to ten years. Um, a lot of people didn't pay attention to it. A lot of people didn't give them credit for it before when it first came out. But this is definitely my favorite album that year, if not my favorite, one of my top three albums of the past five years. Uh, this is off his album, The Gifted. A lot of people don't really talk about it, but it was a great album. Um, so once again, my best kept secret for this week is Wale's Black Heroes. I'm going to play this music, and you guys continue to be great. Do something to celebrate Black History Month, whether it's purchase someone from black-owned business, uh, do your research on somebody you may have never known, paying homage to somebody. Just do something to celebrate Black History Month, whether they're black or not. This this month is very important. Our people are very important. Our culture is very important. Uh, is very important. So do whatever you got to do, but do something to celebrate Black History Month. Once again, my best kept secret for this week is Wale's Black Heroes. I'm out! Negativity, bet they picking me every day Why niggas whine, I'm out crushing my five grapes A good space, frame my mind till y'all came They set to drag my naysayers and they nay Stevie Wonder had envision problems This the wonder my 2020s can't see tomorrow He 20-something, as black and jumping like Vietnam His mama be with the needle more than nigga or child uh, Ain't no hope for a young nigga Ain't no gold for a young nigga uh, Too short for a sport nigga It gets horrific, we glorifying them drug dealers yeah. So where your keys at, playboy? I sling hyperboles at a warp speed Usain Bolt running from ready, set, bango Third album of fate, not in the bank door I paint for them, they lame on it I paint more, they ain't showing the same love Try to think through it, I must influence With better music, let the hate show up And lay show up and make noise They can't ignore this cold port Throw up portables to give them hope And going slow up, haters training thoughts With brainstorms, we all niggas with dreams Whether music or ball Whether hooping the song or simply pursuing them all Paint a picture, I've been on a mission Coming from the district, everything my mind you mention I ain't gotta mention all the low flaws With a sir, sister, boy, find it hard to follow politicians And the Murray and Burry, I had Barry Sanders Never wanna be gangster, put them dirty pads up The man route, try and get my purse out Fuck the stash by it, I was mastering the slam route Fly route, I write double white outs It's the rhyme route, the whole city taking my route Taking my route Daddy nigga, that is my house Black hero, ain't no black hero. Ain't no hope for a young nigga. Ain't no ghost for a young nigga. Too short for a sport nigga. It gets horrific. We glorify the drug dealers. No nigga, ain't no ghost for a young nigga. Too short for a sport nigga. It be horrific. We glorify the drug dealers. 
And them goals for a young nigga Too short for a sport nigga Still we all gifted And we all gifted uh -huh. And we all And we all And we all And we all Yeah And we all gifted uh -huh. And we all This album without a care in the world But the outcome as long as it's an outpour Of niggas who came out they downfall Like an overblown round ball before my sound off Or maybe this music will inspire a future mountain mover or two And if I ever rush more music out to you Then know that I'm overworking myself Cause my heart and mind into it Ain't been a black hero since Robert Townsend So for me to your man I hope you found something profound and enough to expand on Before the sound falters Yeah, life better when you niggas good. Yeah, so yeah, how come? Uh, yeah, I came in to do the album. Right. I thought we we're doing the album today. How come? What happened? Yeah. When, when are we doing that? Are we still doing that? Do you want to do it? A, the album about nothing. When are we doing that? I, I, I thought we were doing that. I just want to see if I can get you here. I'm here. I came here to do it. I don't really have much for you right now. I don't know what to do. Well, when are you going to have it? When, when am I doing it? I'm ready to do it right, right now. I want to do it. <laughs> I'm, I'm not too sure, Jerry. Well, who is sure? This is who is who is, is who is in charge of this? This is gifted. This is the gifted session. This isn't album about nothing. This is the gifted session. Oh, this is the gifted session. Yeah, for the album that I got now. Okay. All right, then I guess I'll come back. Please. <laughs> <laughs>